I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Rob and Chelsea Novak from the New York City Church of Christ. Rob and Chelsea lead an all-campus region in the New York Church, and they chair the North American Campus Committee for Churches Across the Country. Listen as they talk about how they grew their campus ministry from 10 disciples to over 80, how Rob became a Christian through the help of a childhood friend, and then turned and converted about 10 more of his friends from the past, how he believes fruit grows in clusters, and what that means for ministry, how Chelsea is working to bridge the gap with Generation Z disciples, and what three things Rob looks for in an aspiring campus minister. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. It is the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, and I am so thankful for every listener. I'm so thankful for you listening to this podcast, and it's been an awesome, I guess, three years now since 2020, yeah, over three years since I started this podcast. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen, for the encouragement, for the feedback, for the support that you've given me. It means the world. It means the world to know people are listening from around the world. Disciples from all corners of this world are listening. And so I'm so grateful. I'm so happy right now because my daughter, Anne, I just picked her up at the airport this afternoon. And I'm just so happy to see her. She's living up in Washington State, Spokane, Washington. And uh, she's here for the holiday weekend, so I'm just so, so happy to be, have her home. It's been an amazing week. I'm just, I mean, we're just bringing in the harvest. Like we had a couple Bible studies last night. Woman's getting baptized on Sunday. Her son is studying the Bible also, so we had those studies at the same time last night. Studying the Bible with a great guy, and uh, he. We just did baptism today. We studied repentance yesterday. And that's going great. So just, it's going to be an amazing year. I'm just really, really happy about what God is doing. And probably more than anything, I'm just excited about this CLIMB conference coming up next week. And uh, this is probably going to come out on Monday of that week, so it's just in a few days. And so, man, look forward to it. It's going to be the most awesome, awesome time together. I just I just feel bad for the people that haven't registered because I just I, I look at the program and it sends a little bit of a goosebumps up my up my arm and just go this is gonna be incredible i mean it's amazing i just i look forward to seeing what god does so if you're going great job if you can't make it there will be recorded classes that will release later uh, but man if you can if there's a chance just decide to go now i mean i talked to someone on the phone today and i said just book a flight and go you will not regret it. It's going to be an amazing time. You can go to robskinner.com if you haven't already, and you can register for the conference. I'll see you this week in Dallas. Rob and Chelsea, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Grateful to be on here with you. Yeah, well, I've wanted you to be on the program a long, long time. Uh, Dom Munson's in my ministry. He's 
he speaks highly of you, Matt Rupert. Different people have brought your name up, so I'm, I'm glad you make the time uh, to talk to me. How'd you guys become Christians? I can I could share first. My story's a little bit unique. Um, so I grew up uh, relatively religious, not in our fellowship of churches, uh, was raised Methodist, and my parents uh, definitely instilled the importance of faith in me. My dad led like my church's youth group. So that was a big part of my life, but uh, definitely through high school and early college lived very much like I was not a Christian uh, for the most part. And so I had a childhood best friend who, you know, I knew since I was like three, we grew up going to the same church, same small town school in West New rural West New Jersey. And uh, he went to Boston College, and I stayed and went to community college in New Jersey. And uh, his freshman semester, he was invited to Bible talk, studied the Bible, became a Christian. His high school girlfriend, uh, his name is John Rodeo, his high school girlfriend, Tiffany, also studied the Bible, became a Christian. While he was studying, he reached out to me a little bit, but I was really not that interested and um, was just really engaging with regular college life. And uh, and so I saw, though, him, you know, becoming a lot more spiritual. And a year later, so my sophomore year, uh, John came home for Thanksgiving break and he lived across the street from my dad. So after Thanksgiving dinner with my family, I went over to hanging out with him. And um, I had kind of, I'd gone on a youth group retreat recently that had me on a bit of a religious kick. So I was in a more like, okay, this is important <laughs> state of mind. And so we're hanging out after Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, you know, 11, 1130 at night or whatever. And I'm tell, telling him about like some of my new inspiration and stuff. And I'm like, hey, we should go out and try to serve people together or tell people about Jesus. And, you know, John, he's able to say this to me because we've been friends for our whole lives. But he basically said, you know, that, that sounds great, but we wouldn't be telling people the same thing. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, biblically, you're you're not a Christian. And that struck <laughs> my curiosity. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, so he opens up to Acts chapter two and we just go through it. And I'm sitting there looking at it and just like, I've never done this. I've never repented. I've never been baptized. And so we studied till like three in the morning, looking at discipleship and sin and repentance and baptism more. And I wanted him to baptize me that night, but he, you know, with wisdom held off, but uh, <laughs> we had studies the next two or three days. We had studies the next two or three days. And then um, I met up with uh, one of the evangelists in New Jersey, uh, Stanley Dumernay, and he sat and talked through it all with me and felt like I was legit. So um, I wanted John to baptize me. So he had gone back up to Boston after the Thanksgiving break. So Friday morning, a week later, so Thursday night was my first study. So the next Friday, a week later, I drove up to Boston, got lunch with Kevin Miller and John Rodeo. He talked through stuff with me too, counted the cost. And uh, and I got baptized that night out in the Charles River. And so uh, the next day, I had a lot of fellowship with Boston campus people. Sunday morning, I went to my first church service. <laughs> and it was a campus service at MIT. And it was a blast. I was blown away. I felt like I'd found uh, just something I didn't even know I was looking for. But it was amazing. And, um, 
yeah, so that was that was in De December fourth of two thousand nine. So, uh, so that's how I became a Christian. And then, obviously, after that weekend, I went back down to New Jersey, and I've still lived here since. So, wow. Yeah, my story is very different. My parents have both served in the ministry my whole life. Um, their names are Stephen Lee Kennard. They've served in the New York City Church here um, for thirty years. And, um, so I grew up, you know, heavily, um, knew, thought I knew exactly what it meant to be a disciple and a Christian and had a very, um, easy, enjoyable childhood. And then when I was around 11 or so, I started showing early signs of depression. And, um, basically from there in the next few years, I went through a very severe bout of depression and anxiety, and it was very abnormal at the time, especially in our churches. Like we weren't very familiar with depression, anxiety, and I was a ministry kid. And so it was very, um, and nothing really happened that triggered it. It was just, um, it just kind of came on and, um, I had to go on medication, had to be hospitalized a few times. And then from there, I just got very rebellious. I was definitely a re rebellious preacher's kid. Um, at one point was asked to not even attend our youth group meetings because I was so disrespectful. Um, so, but yeah, and then from there, eventually after um, rebelling and just getting more and more thrown into sin and more and more depressed, I decided to try to like, let me just try being a good person and kind of cleaning up my act. And so then I started like, I was only 15 or 16 at this point still. So I like got a job, started like, you know, being a good kid, like a good preacher's kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but my depression just got worse. And I just felt like, is this all there is to life there? Mm. This can't be it. Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, why is nothing helping me get better? So from there, I decided to study the Bible but in nature of my rebelliousness, I did it in secret. I would hide my Bible, like go read it in my closet. My dad would come in the room and I would cover the Bible. I didn't want him to know I was reading it. He would say, you need any help with that? Once he figured out I was reading the Bible, <laughs> I was like, no, that's how prideful I was. I was like, no, I don't need Steve Kennard's help with the Bible. I can figure this out myself. Um, so, but then from there on, I just, I was captivated by the scriptures. I felt like there was so much I didn't know that was actually in there about God, about Jesus. I didn't know how much the Bible does talk about depression, does talk about anxiety, how much God understood me. And so, um, eventually I did ask people for help and, <laughs> and ask people to study the Bible with me. Um, and I became a Christian a few months later when I was 16. Wow. What a story. Okay. I just have to ask, Chelsea, because Steve Kennard is a very, very well-known person in our family of churches. What was it like growing up in his home? I mean, <laughs> he's a big-time teacher, author. I mean, were there like Bible quizzes at night? Did, <laughs> did, did you get tested on, you know, what you learned at church? Okay, just, just give me a, just pull, pull the curtain back just a little bit. Sure, yeah. So it was very much the opposite. When he was home, he was just dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my dad too, like if you, a lot, if you've ever taken his classes or know him, he's a tough teacher and he was very much like that with me. Like anytime I just asked a Bible question, he would say, well, what do you think? Well, have you studied it? And he literally would not engage 
a discussion on it unless I had studied it out for myself first. And, you know, at first I thought that was annoying for many years, but now I'm really grateful for it because it taught me to have my own convictions. Like nothing I believe is at all because my dad believes it because he made me study it for myself, you know? So I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, people have assumed I've gotten kind of a cheat sheet Mm -hmm. to Christianity my whole life, but I very (laughs) much have not. He was very hard on me um, with me having to do my own work of my relationship with God. And I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how did you guys meet up? You you were in New Jersey. Oh, okay. I guess that's the same church. How'd you guys get together? Yeah. So the, the North part of New Jersey is a region of the New York city church, you know, so, uh, um, summer of 2010, Chelsea was going to college in Raleigh. She was in the triangle campus ministry. So she came back for the summer in 2010 and interned with the youth and family ministry. And I was interning with the campus ministry. So, um, actually the first time we met was at a New Jersey church service where, I was doing the sermon. It was kind of like an intern Sunday. And so I was doing the sermon. She was doing communion with John Rodeo, who was home for the summer too, my my best friend. So they did communion together. I, I split the sermon with uh, Ross Lippincott. And so that was the first time we met was at the pre-meeting for that service. <laughs> and um, But we became friends that summer. And then she... Um, went back to North Carolina, finished college, came back the next summer, wanted to do ministry here. So she, she got hired up here and uh, was eventually put in the campus with me to co-lead with me. So our relationship kind of was built out of that. It's funny what can happen when you're put together co-leading. Pam and I, we had a little bit of a bumpy first three months when she had come back from Egypt and we met but then Ed Townsend put us together in the ministry, leading a campus ministry. And man, that was it. I mean, working together, <laughs> all sorts of quote unquote planning meetings. You know, you just get a lot of incidental time. Yeah, we had a lot. <laughs> we had a lot of campus planning meetings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're definitely not dates. No, they're not dates. They're, they're planning yeah. meetings. But anyway, it does give you the opportunity to get to know each other. So it pays off. Okay, so you guys went, you started dating, you guys got interested in each other, and then when did you get married? Nine months later, we, <laughs> it was very quick, once we, he in the beginning was dating someone else for a bit, and I was kind of interested in other people, so we really became like best friends through that, and we would be the people to talk about life and stuff and relationships together. But slow, you know, over time working together, we were like, wait, why aren't we together? We're kind of, we're best friends. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so once we realized we wanted to be together, we dated for nine months and then we're engaged for three months and have been married for 10 years. Yeah, now. we got married <laughs> January 2013. So the start of this year was 10 years we got to celebrate. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. And kids? We have two boys, Bradley, who's seven and a half, Tyler, who's six. They're awesome. Bradley and Tyler, okay. Okay, so now, are, where are you guys living now? Where, talk, talk a little bit about where have you been for the last 10 years. Are you, especially for, you know, people like me, I'm from the West Coast, I have really very limited knowledge of, 
New York City and all all the boroughs and all sure. that stuff. You can talk talk yeah, a little yeah. bit about that. Well, yeah, obviously Manhattan is kind of like the the hub of New York City, and then you know the the, the other boroughs kind of surround it. But New Jersey is kind of like the continued cities and then suburbs of New York City, kind of on the west side. So. Uh, the whole north part of New Jersey is basically like the suburbs of New York City, you know, culturally, and a lot of people work in the city and live out here and stuff. So um, we've lived, other than me interning in Manhattan for a summer, we've we've been in New Jersey uh, the whole time. We uh, led the New Jersey campus ministry from to 2010 until uh, 2018, and then we started working with the city um the ministries in the city more and kind of left new jersey under uh two couples we had raised up the persings and the ruperts so they were kind of co-leading new jersey when we were starting to work with the city but we were still in jersey um like on sundays midweek and then kind of during the day and weekends we'd be in the city so we were kind of like doing both for a bit and then um you know, the pandemic hit obviously in 2020 and then coming out of the pandemic in 21, we, we switched over to just fully working hands-on with the city and brought the Persings with us to do that. But we kept living in New Jersey um, because we live 10 miles from Manhattan. So we live in a town called Fairlawn. It's right near the highway that takes you directly into the city. So our kids are in a good setup with her parents nearby, like we're able to get in and out uh easily and this campus region which we could talk more about in a bit but this campus region in the city that we lead is meant to be a temporary thing so we're kind of doing that from here too so yeah we've kind of been in this north jersey kind of 10 miles from the city area for the last 10 years okay so let's talk a little little bit about that your campus ministry from what i've done a little bit of digging really took off. I mean, you be, you'd become a Christian in 2009. It sounds like you went into the ministry pretty much right off the bat. And then you started leading a campus ministry and it just exploded from 10 to like 80 over the course of 10 years. I was talking to uh, Dom Munson and he said that I mean, it's just a little no-name college that you're a part of, uh, called Chestnut College or something like that. Some, some I'd, I'd never heard of it before, you know, a Compton College. I couldn't couldn't remember the name. I'm like, wow, how'd you do it? So, can you talk a little bit about how you built that campus ministry? What were you doing? Yeah, no, it's it's so fun to think back on, you know, the New Jersey campus period of time, like huge joy and clearly. Uh, wow, we got to see God work, period, in our life. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of colleges in North Jersey. Um, it's not like an area where it's like, okay, one big school, everybody dorms there, most people commute, you know, and so we've kind of always had to be a little bit just follow the spirits lead because one semester we'd have students at one school and then another and it would kind of bounce around. The places that ended up really getting a lot of traction was Montclair State University. Um, I'm wearing their shirt. That's that's where I went to school uh, after community college and William Patterson University. So Montclair is like a 20,000 person school. William Patterson's like a 12,000 or so person school. Um, and 
So, yeah, I mean, 2010 to 2018, the group grew from like 10 to the mid 80s. And, you know, that doesn't reflect all of the people that went on into singles and married some 150 conversions in that period of time. And, you know, a good, I don't know, 12 to 15 people that went in the ministry and um, all still are in the ministry, except for one person who still helps serve and lead a purity ministry. And so... That was all really just amazing to see God do. And I think um, at the outset, there was a lot of all throughout, honestly. I mean, one of the things that I've really seen God do a lot is this principle of fruit growing in clusters. I just really think most fruit grows in clusters and fruit bears other fruit, you know. And so for me, like I got baptized and in 2010, there was a good like eight or nine other people that I already knew that became Christians. And so it was just kind of me reaching out to other friends from, you know, my old youth group and, you know, friends from high school. And so I got to see, uh, I had two childhood best friends, John Rodeo, who studied with me and Bobby Ritter, who I got to study with that first year, uh, both become disciples. And so even now it's awesome because, uh, the rodeos lead the Long Island region of the New York church. And Bobby works as our church's chief financial officer and his wife is in the ministry. And uh, his wife was also somebody who grew up in my youth group. So that first year, there was just a lot of chain conversion stuff going on and uh, me just reaching out to people. I did get to start a Bible talk um, right away at my community college that was fruitful also. So I think, um, I don't know when I think about what helped it explode. I mean, there's definitely different, you know, between 2010 and 2018, I could look and see different like phases, I guess. And I think the first phase was me just being inspired by what I saw in Boston. I thought about transferring up there and somebody said, well, why don't you stay and build in New Jersey what you saw up there instead? And so I think the first little phase was me just totally walking by faith and zeal and God just blessing it. I didn't know. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just was doing and God was blessing it. And so just sharing my faith a lot and, um, and people were becoming Christians and it was, it was exciting. And then that's why they had Chelsea switch over to do campus with me because the men were growing and we needed a, a woman co-leader. And, um, and then as we got into like the low twenties, uh, it became apparent that like for us to really keep growing, we needed leaders like other people who wanted. So that became a main prayer of mine was we had some great, great guys. I mean, really good, good people, but nobody who was like gunning to do ministry or like, hey, train me to, you know, whatever. Right. So great guys. Um, but I started really praying like, God, give me some guys who want to do ministry, who are going to, you know run this thing with me. And, um, and in that next year, I had Matt and Mark come in from the teen ministry. And so I do think a healthy teen ministry can help change a campus ministry for sure. If it can send in some strong people, uh, we had Matt and Mark come in and baptize this guy, Charles on campus. And the three of them all immediately were like, train me for ministry. And so I think the next like phase of our ministry really taking off in 20, 13, 14, 15, 
was was that was us developing like a team and us having this team of people who it was like hey we're we're gonna we're gonna see god do something amazing together and we're gonna work hard at this together and we had a, a woman chelsea baptized you could share more about this too shauna joined that and brielle and just all all different people joined that team and um you know there were more chain conversions and stuff off campus that would happen and um lots of other great people that became christians and i think i think what happened was just this culture was developed in the ministry of like we are outward focused and i think there was always a really healthy balance of being outward focused but also building strong deep convictions for the disciples and having strong d groups and discipling relationships that way our retention rate was was usually pretty healthy and that helped us to grow was not picking one or the other to focus on but staying staying equally focused on both i think and so um so it was exciting because 2013 our group of like 25 we had like 18 people become christians then the next year it was like another 18 and then the next year it was like 20 and then 24 so it was just consistent like you know momentum building up and we had this team that uh, kept having new people wanting to be part of it and wanting to train for ministry coming in. And so uh, I think that helped it to to keep growing and do what it did. Uh, yeah, I think something so special about campus ministry is just you find these people who are so young and just so open to trying new things um they're such dreamers such like um so passionate just looking for looking to change the world looking to like be involved in something bigger than themselves and when you do find those people who want to become christians the whole trajectory of their life and generations of people who come through them change and that's what's so amazing um yeah one of the people rob mentioned that um was a first like really difference maker woman in our ministry it was Shauna Gill she's a region or she's a woman's ministry leader in um for the singles ministry in New York City now and um she works with singles in New York City and New Jersey but she was with campus in campus ministry with us for like seven years in, in the full-time ministry but she was one of those people when she studied the bible like I just did not think she was going to make it <laughs> <laughs> her character. And, and even when she got baptized, I was like, Lord God, help this girl make it through the summer, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm really big into like, um, when studying the Bible with someone, not just helping them become a Christian, but really helping that like Christianity impact all parts of their life, like helping Jesus just bring complete wholeness to their life. And so, um, but she really like just radically repented and um, just very quickly went from being a, a weak um, concerning young Christian to <laughs> like an influencer and a really strong woman. I mean, but she already was that she was like a leader in um, the black clubs on campus. Like she, she, you know, I, and she was just a very um, brilliant young woman. But when she learned how to channel that for God, she was so influential. Like she helped so many countless women become Christians. And um, now a lot of those women are like strong young marrieds and young singles in the New Jersey region she works, which is so cool. But she just made such an impact. And 
it's just an amazing example to me of like how God, he, he has such a vision for people that we don't even know about. Like I, I did not see any of that for her, you right. know, which, which right. I tell her about, and we joke about it when she studied the Bible, but she made such a difference. And not only that, but like her, when she has children one day, when she, and then their children, like she, it's impacting generations. And then all the women she helped become Christians and that we help become Christians together, their children are going to have such a completely, completely different upbringing and right. their children. And that's just right. the amazing thing about campus ministry is it's, it's impact is just boundless, you know? Right. right. It's but really it was just like, I just followed Rob's faith. I think naturally I wasn't as faithful and he trained me to be really faithful and we worked really hard. We, mm. in the beginning, we just, each of us would have five Bible studies just by ourselves up in the student center. It was like our little office. Yeah, and one after just, the other showing up. One after the other. And then eventually when those people became Christians, they would be with us in those studies and then they would be <laughs> leading them. And then, yeah. so, but it was, it was so much fun. I think campus ministry is so much fun and so special. Okay, so you guys are, I mean, you love it so much, you're actually leading your own campus region. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's going? Yeah, yeah, no, we're loving what we're getting to do right now. So, um, you know, coming coming out of COVID and stuff, the the campus ministries in our regions of the church in the city, like actually in New York City, uh, there were no campus ministers in any of them. And uh, the number of students, like almost everywhere, had significantly dwindled, you know, to where, you know, most of our groups would have been three or four students, which isn't really a, a campus ministry. And so, um, you know, Sam Powell and some of the other senior leaders and elders and stuff, they basically asked us, would you want to help rebuild the ministry in the city by starting a campus region? And you know, we had already been doing like, like I mentioned earlier, like Friday nights with the city together, you know, before the pandemic even, and um, some, some different things during the week, but this was like, okay, if we're really going to turn this thing around, it's got to be just like totally invested in and focused on for a few years. Just give it, give it like three years or so to like, get this thing, raise up some leaders, rebuild it. So, you know, we prayed a lot about that and decided to take it on. Um, and it's it's been it's been a, a probably one of the harder things ministry wise we've done. It's been an uphill battle, but we're seeing God bless it. And it's it's been very encouraging. So, you know, in uh, the fall of, of 2021, we had all the students that were part of, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Harlem, Bronx, Staten Island leave those regions and become its own campus region. And we had one-on-one -on -one talks with every one of those students to make sure they viewed it as, hey, I'm joining a church planting, essentially. Like, you don't have to be part of this. And here's the vision, though. Here's what it's going to look like. Are you willing to commute an hour into Manhattan on Fridays, on Sundays? And, you know, um, and so we started with about 25 students from all of New York City, you know, coming together. And most of them were kingdom kids, uh, lots of teens that were baptized during the pandemic and were now in campus ministry as freshmen. And then there was a small handful of seniors, you know, who really uh, 
when the pandemic started were maybe freshmen or sophomores. So they had never been in a and they didn't have campus ministers. So we basically have this group of 25 students who had never seen regular campus ministry. If we said, all right, we're going to have a Bible talk. Like I had to really explain what it, that even yeah, means. Right. Um, sharing your faith on campus, you know, like it was ground zero. And I was really grateful that Mark and Hannah Persing were, uh, able to come they weren't there at the beginning because hannah's a national guard and they were actually out in arizona for the start of this campus region but um but then they came and joined us and uh and so it's been two years of of rebuilding this city campus to hopefully get it to a place where we can kind of send it back into the regular regions with some leadership and more of an established group to kind of keep keep building from there. Okay. So you start at 25. Where are you guys at now? Yeah, our group is, uh, about 40 people and, um, it's, yeah, so that's, that's where it's at now. And, and, and how do you feel about that? Like what, looking back in the past two years, like what were your expectations? What do you feel like is the, the challenge moving forward? Yeah, I feel encouraged by where it's at. I think I've had to get myself there because my expectations, I think coming out of the pace that New Jersey was at and the momentum it had, I think I, I think I was right about the process, but I've realized I was very wrong about how long each step of the process was going to take. I knew, okay, it's going to be reconnecting, getting people you know, re reconnected, reintegrated, and then it's going to be rebuilding people's convictions, which for a lot of them, it was actually building their convictions, <laughs> you know, but okay, a period of rebuilding, and then we can get more outward focused. And that's kind of been the process. But I was thinking like a month or two of each, <laughs> but it's been more like a year of each, you know, right, and right. Um, so I think when you really realize like where the group was at, which is a lot of good kids and, and good people, but just, it really was, it was kind of like where New Jersey campus was at in 2009 or, or 10, you know, just really had to be built from, from the ground up. And right. There was no leadership team. Like it was just us at first and then us right. and the Persings. So we had to like build all of that, which took time, but we have that now, like we have, people interning one guy from NYU that went in the full-time ministry this year. And uh, like, we have a solid leadership team. They're carrying the ministry and um, you know, like we're seeing the number of conversions increase, the, the number of Bible studies like significantly increasing. So now I feel like, okay, it's on, it's on track, you know, but um, yeah. And the, the region really came from this um, vision of needing the we just need more young people in our new york city church and historically young people haven't always done well in new york city because it's rough it is rough out there and we've always in campus ministry in the past there's been a lot of people who get baptized but then also a lot of people who leave and so that's been one of the things we're trying to fix is like to help young people make a decision to become Christians, but then stay Christians and right. like thrive as Christians. Right. And, and so that first year we had um, like, not a lot of people become Christians, but we also had no one walk away. Like everybody we were connected with and, 
Um, and so that was like a huge victory for New York City. And we felt awesome about that because we had never seen that happen before. <laughs> and so, you know, um, but yeah, New York City is just a, it's a different beast. And also the pandemic really affected these young people. And um, this young generation specifically, because we've been kind of working with college students for the past 10 years, they're very, they're different and a lot of different in a lot of good ways. But I've found I have to even change how I study the Bible with people because some of the stuff I used to do back in 2013, 2014, 2015, it doesn't work for this new generation, you know? And so I've had to honestly like reteach myself a lot of things um, and a lot of what I used to do. Back in those days in campus ministry, I wouldn't do anymore because I was a young kid myself and <laughs> sometimes like didn't take the best advice or made decisions just as like, I'm the leader, listen to me, or, you know, just was immature myself. And so I think we've been relearning a lot too, which um, I love that about campus ministry. Well, you, you mentioned that when we were talking before the interview started, and you've got a real passion for intergenerational issues. And I think a lot of people are, are definitely noting that, if not you know, a little perplexed in terms of reaching younger people. What Chelsea, what are you learning? What's helping? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do feel like this generation, they're so creative. It's, this is honestly one of my favorite groups we've ever worked with, this group in New York City. I love them dearly, but they're so creative, so passionate, um, so deep, so smart. Um, I feel like they get a bad rep. I do feel like when I hear a lot of people, my millennials and older, talk about Gen Z, they're like, ugh, Gen Z, they're so lazy, they're so this, they're so that. But <laughs> I do not feel like that's a fair account of Gen Z at all. I feel like they are truly amazing um, young people and we need them desperately. Um, but I, I do think that one, one thing about this group that is not bad at all, I think it's great, I love them for it, is that they will ask questions. They will ask why, and they will not do things because everybody else is doing it. They have to understand why, they have to see the benefit. And I've found that the Bible still works for that. You know, wow. the Bible is one thing that never goes out of style, never gets outdated. But I've just found that, um, like, even when a lot of, you know, with ministry, we talk about creating culture. But I think one of the things that's really important with Gen Z is they don't really care about your culture or like ICOC culture or like whatever um, the leader like wants to build whatever culture they want to build they want to they care about the bible they care about the culture of the bible they care about like seeing the why and like what does god really say and they love authenticity and i love that too i think that's awesome and so um i think you know that's been something that like everything we teach we've had to really to also teach why you know and then certain things that there's not a good why for like certain gray areas then it's like, all right, well, we're not going to like, um, we're going to let people form their own opinions about that, you know, and, and for some ministry leaders, that's very scary, but that's been something like has been really liberating for us and for our group. Um, but, but yeah, I just love this group. And I think that they are going to change the world and change our churches in a much needed way. Um, but I've, I've kind of viewed my role in helping them as like, I'm going to give them the life experience I have the Bible knowledge I have, 
but I'm also going to learn from them because they have a lot of things that they have a lot of different ways of viewing things that I need to learn. Um, and that's been really beneficial, like having that mindset with them and making sure that there's safety and trust in our relationship so that if they don't understand anything, they can say like, hey, why do we do this? Or why do we teach this? Or And we could talk it out and look at scriptures together. And that's been really healthy. And I think that's been the biggest complaint I've heard from the 20 year olds and people in that age group when it comes to um, older generations is that is the lack of feeling safe to like question or to have concerns or to um, just say, hey, you hurt my feelings, like simple things that that really shuts down um, the Gen Z group and they will not work with that or tolerate that. And so that's been something just staying humble, you know, and realizing like, just because we're older doesn't mean we have to just completely teach them everything that, mm. but we can also learn from them. Okay. So that leads to my next question. You guys are the chair of the campus committee for North America. How would you evaluate the state of campus ministries now? Yeah, well, I'm really grateful for the campus committee. I mean, we got to join that team in 2015, and it's just really been a refreshing place for like camaraderie. Good, for, we've we've made some of our best friendships from being there, and um, and so I'm I'm really grateful for the campus committee. And then we, you know, we were asked to start chairing it uh, last year, so we started that last year. Um, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, we meet in person together every February and we spend a good amount of time talking about how things are going. And so I'm looking forward to that this year and we'll be collecting, you know, all of the different stats and stuff for this year. And so I think that'll be helpful to look at, but, um, I have, I have a lot of things that I would say with where I see the U.S. campus ministries at right now that I feel excited about and then other things that are concerning, you know, I, I, so as far as how it's going, um, there's things that are really hopeful and really good. And then other things that are kind of like, hey, if if we don't do this right, it could have real consequences, you know, and, and people need to realize that, I think. So obviously, um, you know, 2020, 21 pretty much every U.S. campus ministry halved. I mean, most all groups, that's pretty much what happened. They all halved or more in some places. Um, I think that was a really hard time for campus because we're not able to get out and help grow. And a lot of people, multiple classes graduated. And so um, I think it was also just a really hard time for people. So a lot of people stepped out of ministry or, um, maybe had to move on to serving in the church in some other role. And so there's been a lot of turnover in the campus ministers the last few years. Basically every year, uh, like, you know, about half almost of the campus ministers turn over. So it's new people the last few years. And so, um, so what's encouraging is, you know, we all met in person at the, uh, you know, the rescheduled World Discipleship Summit in Florida uh, two two summers ago. That was, you know, summer last year. 
And we didn't really know exactly how many people would show up or what we were walking into. And so our theme for campus at that was revival. And we just tried to go like full throttle on, we have got to get outward focused again. And it was just all about, we need revival. We need God to work. We need to start seeing growth again. And um, and I think that was responded to really well. There was about 1400 people there, which was exciting. And, um, and then looking at, you know, 2022, uh, it was encouraging to see things kind of stopped going in a negative direction of shrinking and, you know, fall away, all that stuff, stop attendings and to turn around and start, okay, our overall growth is heading in a pot. It's not where it was in its peak, but it was, you know, like 11% last year. So like, okay, our overall growth is getting positive, uh, growing direction again. And, um, and so that, that was a really encouraging, uh, thing to look at. And then probably what really built our faith a lot was this past IC every year we do an ICMC, you know, it's basically for the whole U S and some from the Caribbean and Canada and, and stuff come too. But, uh, in Oklahoma, we had the ICMC this past year, and it was really encouraging because the atmosphere was incredibly faithful and supportive and excited at doing something. I think that was, you know, we have a whole track for the campus ministers and you know, there's been so many challenges in our world and in the church the last few years. I mean, the pandemic, racial challenges, the women's role, um, you know, just so many different things that have created tension or disunity or hurt or whatever, so many different things. And some of that stuff has been really, really important to look at and, and grow in and to talk about. But we went into the conference wanting to try to try to unite everybody in a sense so that we can move forward and can can build something and it was really encouraging because our our opening you know message for the ministers was about recentering pendulum swings and that the church is kind of pulling people in extremes like be all about the mission or be all about hope and serving or you know like there's just a lot of pulls in different extremes on different things and what we said is it's not one extreme or the other. It's well, what what's biblical, right? Like what is a biblical focus? And so recentering on the Bible, uh, these different pendulum swings. And we brought up a lot of these different challenges. And I was very ready in the fellowship for pushback, for concern. And we got no firsthand pushback or anything we heard from anybody else that somebody else said. I mean, it was a lot of um, support and, and gratitude and encouragement for the whole minister's track, not just our class, which was focused on that. Um, and I think what that time showed us was, okay, we have a group that has been refined and is now very ready. Like it was more spirit in the room of like, tell us what to do. Like, yeah. we want to do something. Like, training. how do we grow our ministry? How do we raise up leaders? How do we build something? How do we, it's a very green room. And so I think that's why the growth is slow is because there's been a lot of turnover and there's a lot of new ministers that want to do something, but don't know how to do it. Don't know what to do. Don't know what it looks like. You know, if 
If I say, hey, get out and share with a lot of people kickoff week, they might think that means 50. I, I mean 500, you know, like they don't know what, what it really looks like, but they want to learn, they want to do it. And so I think that's going to influence us a lot in keeping things really simple and kind of going into next year's ICMC with the more of the mindset of, hey, we have a room of people that are with us that want to do something that that want to grow their group and make a difference. So let's run with that. So that's what I'm really encouraged by is I think we have a lot of new people and a lot of young people across the country that are ready to just grow something and, and want to help, you know, make a difference in their, their campus in mm -hmm. some way. Uh, the concern is, you know, the amount of turnover that people have been through and, um, you know, making sure that, and I, I think that's one thing we had those years in New Jersey that helped us grow a lot is we had a lot of support and, and respect. Like we were, we were young, we were new, but we were respected. Uh, whether it was the Craigs who led New Jersey for part of that time or the Stevensons, uh, Stephen, Shonda Stevenson, um, they supported us. They let us run and build the campus and they, they helped us, they guided us. And I really felt like respected by them uh, versus maybe just kind of being left out or, or something like that. So I think these new campus ministers need guidance, but they also need support and uh, whatever's going to help them to have more longevity in the ministry and not, you know, start and then quit after a year or go do something else after a year. Because mm. to really grow, we're going to need people to stick it out and start to rebuild some momentum again. Right. Chelsea, I want to go back to something that you had talked about earlier. You became a Christian. You'd gone through a period of mental health challenges, depression. Did that just go away when you became a Christian or is that something you still wrestle with yeah, today? That's a great and, question. And yeah. how, how do you manage that in the high stress environment of the ministry? Yeah. So it did not go away. I think I thought it would, but it did not. And I definitely went through multiple other um, bouts of depression and anxiety. And then later in life, when I was 29, I'm 34 now, I was actually diagnosed with OCD. So I got a whole new diagnosis, but I went through kind of like a severe spell of anxiety throughout that time. It was postpartum after I had my kids. And um, I had to not do ministry for like a month. I had to kind of like just totally focus on getting better because um, I was in such a state of crisis. But um, I went on medication. I'm still on medication. I went through therapy and all that. And it's so much more manageable. But it's definitely something I always have to stay on top of my mental health. Um, and something I do a lot is I exercise consistently. I try my best to take care of myself, um, make sure I'm connecting with God. Um, but I kind of like have to prioritize that stuff in order to be able to handle ministry stress without it taking a toll on my mental health. That's great. Thank you. Rob, what, what do you look for in a minister? Like what, when you're hiring somebody for a campus minister, what, what three things you go, okay, this has to be there. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think, um, you know, obviously the most important thing is the person's character and spirituality, you know, that this is somebody who loves God, who, um, you know, is, is leading themselves and taking care of themselves. It doesn't mean they don't need help, but somebody who 
I know I could trust, you know, that they're going to get help when they need it. They're humble. They, you know, they love God first and they have character and integrity. And so I think that's, you know, that's um, a negotiable <laughs> for sure is uh, somebody's character and just personal spirituality and humility, um, which kind of encompasses a lot of things. Um, another thing I look at is, you know, the, this person's, anybody, you know, starting to intern or become a campus minister, obviously they're young and you're high, you're hiring them in some ways based off of potential, but you also too, I think need to see that they've, they've done like what Jesus says, right? Like have they been faithful with what they've been given that they have some, indication to have the gift of leadership and that is a gift god gives some to be right these different roles in the church and uh romans romans talks about leadership being a gift and so something where it's like they've had responsibility with something and it has gone better because they had responsibility for it right they've they've been involved in helping people become christians or helping a bible talk become successful or whatever right like some some form of success that shows okay this person likely has a the gift of of ministry uh, or of leadership and you know i don't know there's there's a good multitude of other things you could look at the person's you know zeal and um heart for people and heart for the mission and all of that stuff um but i do think a, a big thing we look at too is that person's like chemistry and people skills and relational strength like you know are they are they a relational person and they care about people and are able to not just like get on campus and share with people but even beyond that like connect with people help people with things uh super you know friendly and you know people like to be around them and follow them and we are excited about having them on our team and so that relational skill uh caring about people chemistry part i think is really important too okay so so three things like character that they have a track record of success with what they've been given in terms of responsibilities no matter what they've been given even in small things that they've proven character competency and chemistry you know are three big things for sure and then just the people skills okay that's great okay Final question, what advice would you give to those who want to make this life count? Let's start with Chelsea. (laughs) The Bible. The Bible is the only thing that works. And we have to be so careful not to stray from it. I think we're in such a pivotal time, like Rob was saying. Um, But going back to Jesus and how he loved people and um, God's word and God's standard, like that is going to protect us from anything Satan is trying to do. And so, I don't know, that's the biggest thing I think for, for um, I want the young women I work with to feel so loved by God, so believed in by God and that, um, God has such amazing plans to use them more than they could ever imagine. And God wants to use them to literally change the world. 
and that the Bible is always the answer. The Bible is the answer for your life in all areas of your life and to never stray from God's word. Yeah, I was thinking something similar, but just to keep it simple, I feel like there's there's so many tugs in different directions and things could be overly complicated. Not that th some things aren't complicated, but like what Chelsea was saying of just keeping it simple of, okay, what do I know? Uh, you know, what we can know from the Bible about who God is, what Jesus did for us and what he sent us to go do and just keeping it simple and mm. focused on the word and on what God has called us to do and starting with wherever you're at, you know, and I think it's great to dream big and want to, you know, do different things over the course of your life, but you got to start with where you're at. And for me, that was, you know, a Bible talk at my community college and that's where it started. And so wherever you're at figuring out, well, what can I get started with and be mm -hmm. faithful that God is going to bless it and and take it from there, but keeping it simple and start where you're at would, would be what I would say. That's great. Thank you so much for your time. It's a, a real pleasure to get to know you guys uh, through this zoom in interview Everyone that I've talked to who knows you speaks so highly of you. Mark and Hannah Persing, they came out and stayed with us for a while, did such an amazing job while they're here, served. It was great to get to know them. And they, they you know, talked about you guys. So really happy, really thankful for what you're doing there. I understand there's a change in leadership there in New York City. All the best to you guys navigating that and all the best to your campus region and for campus ministries across the country. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for having us and thanks for doing this podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First, hit the subscribe button and send a link to your friends. Let your friends know about what you're listening to. People need really good listening to help them in their faith. I mean, maybe you haven't even thought about it. Like you enjoy it, but you don't know anyone else who's listening to it. Let people know. It really helps people. Secondly, read and review one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church, or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them both on Amazon.com. Just look up Rob Skinner and you'll, you'll find the books. Finally, support the Rob Skinner podcast with a gift. The link is in the show notes. I want to give a special shout out to Melanie Yu, who's been a big supporter of this program and of our mission. Really appreciate you, Melanie. Thank you so much for your support and all the people that are supporting the Rob Skinner podcast. Thank you so much because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.